So we learn there are no bad questions or even wrong questions, but there are passive-aggressive questions. Maybe even some that we would call aggressive-aggressive questions. How about this one? Are are you just going to sit there all day? How are we doing today? Or some of you may have gotten this one this morning. Are you going to wear that? And I've actually seen this happen. I read this on a blogger when I Googled passive-aggressive Southerner, and there was a lot of stuff that came up. (laughs) And I've witnessed this happen. You know, we don't ask one another to pass the salt in very Southern households. We say to the person across the table, would you like some salt? And they say, no, would you? And you go, certainly. (laughs) But we all do it, don't we? And, you know, passive-aggressive questions are are not so much about the question themselves, but they're about how we ask the questions. They're about what lies behind the questions, aren't they? We have a lot of questions in the gospel today. Very long gospel. I think it's a part of a Lent that our gospels just keep getting longer and longer. Sixteen questions today, if we count all the question marks. So it means there's probably more. The disciples start off with a real good one. Who sinned, this man or his parents, so that he was born blind? And so if we take a look at what is behind that question, we see that they think that God actually causes bad things to happen to people as some form of punishment. That God curses people to settle the score or to even out karma or something But really what they're saying is, whose fault is this anyway? Because it's not ours. Somebody must have done something to deserve this. And then we go on and the people in the community see uh, a man who's been sitting blind, begging, we presume, for most of his life. And, And they don't feel happy for him. They don't go throw a party because he's been healed. They look at him and they say, how did this happen to you? And the man answers them, but rather than rejoicing with him, they just want to know where Jesus is. Maybe so some of them can seek this out, but also I think because some of them want to drag this man to the authorities. And you know, we see in their questions great fear. We see hearts and minds that just can't digest this kind of miracle. We see people who are stuck in a world in which blind people need to stay blind in begging because it kind of works for them. And then the Pharisees later ask him, you know, how could a man like Jesus perform these signs? And even on the Sabbath when we're not supposed to do that. And we see in them, again, people stuck in rules and regulations and legalisms of various sorts, so much so that they can't notice Again, that a blind man has been healed, that something remarkable has happened because of Jesus, and that Jesus is bringing them all sorts of new possibilities in the God that is embodied in him. And there's this great moment at the end where they say, they ask the man, how did he open your eyes? 
And again, we see people who have and take offense at someone who would heal on the Sabbath and someone who wouldn't follow uh, laws that are set down in stone. And I love the question that the healed man asked back to them. I saw some of you chuckle because it's funny. He says, why do you keep asking me to repeat myself? I think if I were writing this in the modern day, I, I think he would probably say, are, 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 you, are you stupid? But he says to them, oh, do you want to be his disciples? And I think we see in that little retort a man who now has a voice here, a man who's whose eyes are healed, but also his spirit, so much so that he's no longer a victim to these people who victimized him, but maybe even a little bit of a joker. He has some healthy sarcasm back towards them. And maybe even, maybe even he's evangelizing them. And you know, he makes the religious type so angry that, again, they exclude him. They kick him out rather than bring him into the community. This story has some questions that ought to be mighty familiar to all of us. They're questions that all of us ask. Questions like, why do bad things happen to us? Whose fault is it anyway? Why do miracles happen and how do they happen? Why do good things happen to other people and not me? You know, when the other people in our story ask their questions, they ask them out of a position of of real helplessness, don't they? Of real arrogance, of exclusion, position of fear. And, you know, they ask questions, and they... They ask it in a way, I think, where they already know the answer to their questions. They don't really care what anyone has to say to them. Because they think that, that the God that they know is inconsistent with the one that Jesus shows them. And you know, Jesus does answer with some interesting rhetoric. But I think more than answering their questions, he responds to their questions. It was that famous line where Jesus said that the man was born blind so that God might reveal God's good works in him. And first of all, I want to say something to all of you about one thing that Jesus is not saying here. Jesus is not saying that God strikes down people and God makes people blind and God brings misfortune into the world so that people can be converted or brought to God. So that people will experience some kind of conversion or see Jesus in whatever happens, even though they may see Jesus in whatever happens. I mean, think, if you will, of any number of the bad things that have happened in the recent few months and years to you or to people that you love. I don't know about you, but I would have a very hard time believing in a God who would hurt us just to make a point, just to deliver a message. I mean, that God is not a God who is so good. But Jesus shows them here later. He responds to them and to our questions uh, by, by showing them that God is not about exacting vengeance. If Jesus does say that, then he's just like everyone else in the story, isn't he? But Jesus responds. And like the God of all creation, if you think back to the 
the story of creation. In Genesis 1, uh, God brings light to the world and Jesus talks about how he is the light of the world. And then he has this little uh, thing that he does. It's very curious, but it ought to make us think about Genesis 2 when God is the potter and God crafts humanity out of mud that God probably made with their own spit and some dust. And Jesus makes this mud out of spit and dust. And he puts it on this man's eyes. And what does he do? He creates something new in this man. He shows the work of the God of creation in this man who was at one time sitting excluded from their community. He responds. He doesn't quite explain it exactly. But he shows them. He shows them that he is light and that he is kindness and he is healing. And Jesus, God embodied on earth, even gets his hands muddy for the sake of the other. So see, friends, we can be light ourselves in response to the world. We may not be able to answer all these hard questions But we can even ask better questions here. And we can ask questions that aren't passive-aggressive or aggressive-aggressive, but even questions that are helpful. And you know, the disciples could have asked helpful questions. Questions like, why is this man sitting here? Why have we never noticed him before? What is his name? Who are his parents? Is he hungry? Has he had breakfast? Why don't we take him with us? Jesus, why haven't we helped him yet? Or even best of all, asking the man, what do you need? And see, these better questions are our window into the world. Because then we're able to notice the hurting world around us. and We're able to be light in the darkness. And maybe even sometimes we're able to notice all of the miracles in our midst every day. We're able to notice that what lies behind our questions isn't isn't aggression or an angry God, but active compassion, active love, active creation and creativity happening before our very eyes in the world, working in the world through us and around us and with us. My brothers and sisters, finally, finally, we must know Jesus shows us today in his response that we must work the works of him who sent us while it is day. Because, my friends, night is coming when no one can work. And as long as we are in the world, created by that loving God to be in the world, we are the light of the world. Amen.